Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He's Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513. That is one way for you to take part in the program. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. We got a lot to tackle over these next 60 minutes. We'll, of course, get to your phone calls and get to your tweets. John Mara spoke earlier today, so we'll review some of his comments and go over the latest team news. So let's start with John Mara, who spoke to the media, Ooh. Jeff, Ooh. and uh, he was peppered with questions about the quarterback situation. Of course he Stunning would. development, right? Stunning. We, we didn't see that coming. You heard it here on Big Blue. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he was obviously asked about, well, what would be the <laughs> ideal search situation to play out this season? And he said that in an ideal world, the team does well. Eli Manning starts and plays all 16 games, and Daniel Jones does not see the field at all, at least in a regular all season right. game. Well, you and heard it from the, the head man then. And we've been talking about a lot of different scenarios ever since they drafted Daniel Jones, ever since the Giants have looked towards the future. It is not a crazy situation, if it does play out, Jeff, where the young quarterback observes and becomes a spectator. No. We've seen it with Phillip Rivers watching Drew Brees for multiple years. Jeff, we've seen it with Aaron Rodgers watching Brett Favre. Patrick Mahomes, I know, is brought up a lot, but he essentially sat the entire season. He doesn't get into that final game, by the way, if Kansas City actually has to play for something sure. in Week 17. They didn't. They didn't, so they had nothing to lose by playing the rookie quarterback. But the point is, there's been a lot of examples in NFL history, and I think that's essentially what John Marrow was emphasizing. Well, it has. I think that, you know, you have to take a stance on this and, and be and be consistent with it. You know, this is the way it's going to play out. Um, if the team does, that's what Mr. Mara has said. If it, listen, if it if it's if it goes well, then Eli, you know, what's going to happen next year? We don't care. We just care about 2019 season. Let's find out how we do, and then we'll go from there. But we also know the scenario that if it goes the other way, there's no question who's coming back, who's coming in. So it's very easy to me. You make, you commit to what you're going to do, which they're doing. Eli's the guy, plays 16 games. It's a good season. Great. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this after the season's over. But, you know, look for him to come in if the season doesn't go right. And you got to remember this. Just because Eli is playing well and that maybe the team isn't doing well, there may be a change in the guard there too. And we've talked about this over of and course. over, and it's never going to end until something happens. But in the meantime... You can talk about how he played last week in the game. You could talk about how Eli played in the game, how what's coming up in the you know in preseason. It's just opening day will be number ten under center. Start of his sixteenth season with the Giants, the longest tenured player. And John Mara was also asked about the fact that you know Eli Manning is entering territory that no other player has ever entered, and how challenging does that make it when you ultimately have to make the transition Good from him to <clears throat> Daniel Jones? Well. Like I said, I think before you start answering questions, you sit down as an organization and come up with a plan and you have to be all on the same page with it and all the answers have to be the same. You know, and yes, it will be a difficult situation, but the one person that's going to control the narrative here is Eli Manning, period. I mean, if Eli plays well, then you know what? You're going to deal with next year whenever it happens. But right now, I think as long as everybody's on the same page and they're making the same comments and it sounds like they are, that's what you have to deal with. Well, and that was also one of the things that John Mara brought up when he was asked to reminisce about the whole draft process and how he said the reason why they felt really good about Daniel Jones is how Dave Gettleman, to your point, Jeff, 
and Pat Shermer were on the same wavelength. Even the scouting department in the front office, you go around the room, conviction was a term he used. We used that term when we talked about the draft. If everybody is on the same page, if everybody sees the same thing when they sit down and review the film, then that makes you feel even more confident in utilizing that pick on that player. Because you know that that doesn't happen around the league consistently. There's There's always guys in the room that do not agree with what's about to happen, and because of the the power struggle that you have with the upper management and where the decision makes or is made, you have no choice other than to say, okay, you know what? I don't like this, but we'll go with it. Okay. But, but as soon as this happens, then everybody's got to be on the same page and say, you know what? We're going to, even though you didn't, you got to be on the same page with it. And I think that everybody is, and I think everybody's got to be a little bit excited uh, about how Daniel played in that first game. Let's not get too excited, but you know, he did some good things. I think if you really broke it down and Mike Shula was sitting next to us and Pat Shermer was sitting next to us, they would find things that he could improve on. Absolutely. Just like anybody. And that's what you have to do in these games. So far, so good was the quote from John Maron, Daniel Jones. But he brought up the exact point that you mentioned, Jeff. We also need to temper expectations. It was one (laughs) preseason series. One. And I know we live in a world where it's instantaneous gratification. Let me crown the kid immediately. But... He certainly has things that he needs to improve upon. Pat Shermer even said, you know, signaling the tight end in motion on the very first play. So, you know, those nuances are going to come as you get more experience and more reps. And as you get into game planning. There's no game planning in preseason. Things change. um, Greg Williams was not going to show the New York Giants anything that they're going to show in the regular season because they play them quickly. And... That's you're not going to. It's base defense, base coverages. Did well, should have done well with the number six pick in the draft. You would expect that he did. He would do well. I mean, you would be sitting here scratching your head if he was 0 for six, one pick. Then you'd be like, oh my goodness, and we'd be talking about the same thing. Wow, he couldn't complete a pass in base defense. What's going on here? So I think that you know he he did well. Let's see how he'll get a little bit more. Um, unfortunately, we would have loved to see him play a little bit more if it wasn't for the weather delay. Coach Shermer had said he would have he would have taken some more snaps. I don't know exactly how many six to eight. I think is what he said, but that would have been nice. So, but look for him to to get more work this week against the Bears. Okay, um, you know, does he start the game? I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I have no idea what it is. Um, maybe it would be a good idea for him to start the game against that number one defense of the Bears. They're pretty good. That oh, yeah. defense is pretty good. I know they're not going to be in there for you know a blink of an eye. They'll be gone, but at least give them a taste of some of, of a, a really NFL, even though it's a base defense. The Bears are pretty good. They like to take away the football. Oh, certainly. Opportunistic plus 12 turnovers. There's that word, opportunistic. Last season, I, have, yeah. I have aced that word. You're, I've, You're ready opportunistic, to utilize it opportunistic, this opportunistic. There you go. It rolls off the tongue. That's Man, it it didn't roll off the tongue a couple years ago. (laughs) Well, I had to say it now in the preseason just to get you mentally prepared for what is to come in the right Well, you need to move on to a different word that I can mess up (laughs) and and try to get better at it. I will try to reshape the jargon of football just for you, Jeff, this season. But your point is well taken. The Bears were one of the best defenses in the NFL, and it would be nice for either Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, or some combination of the both of them to see and be exposed to that defense. Pat Shermer has said... He likes to get all of his quarterbacks out there in just about every preseason game with the exception of the fourth preseason game because that's when maybe you want to give the youth movement a lot more playing time so that you could finalize the back end of the roster. So I would not be surprised, Jeff, if Eli Manning does start sure. this next no, game under those circumstances. But then to your yeah. point, Daniel Jones, you're expecting him to play yeah. much more than one series in this next contest. Um, 
you know, looking at practice this week, um, that it was a you know a turnaround, a lot of a lot of practice from the last game. We had last Friday up until today is a Tuesday. You get a lot of a lot of four days in a row there. Um, guys are going to get some time off, and you know they're going to turn around and go play play a game soon. So it, I think they're when you get to be Eli's age, um, and the team knows this. There comes a point in time where you you know you've seen these manage these man, the guys the, the older guys get a what's it called a, a maintenance it's a, it's a maintenance day correct maintenance day is a good way Maintain- load management is what it's called in the NBA that's why is that what it is yeah they call it load management in load the management NBA. I yes. like that one but better. I like the maintenance day too yeah well. all right maintenance yeah. day all right take care of your tires take care of your there oil you, go. Yeah. you know get refreshed but that's what they are and 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 believe it or not. In today's NFL, that word is used more because people understand that it means more. Years ago, maintenance day was there. That was you never said that. Nobody got a maintenance day. Are you kidding? I could just see Tom Coffin saying this about ten years ago, fifteen years ago. A maintenance day. What are you going to get your car oil changed? What are you a maintenance day? Rotate the tires. I mean, come on. Um, My maintenance day when because obviously I was always when I was here. You had a lot of maintenance days. A lot of maintenance days because. I was the older guy on the team, but we couldn't kick every day. I mean, I'm like I was like a pitcher. You know, you can't throw a hundred football or a hundred baseballs uh, a day. You got to take, take some time off. Yeah. My point here is that with Eli, having these practices back to back to back to back, and then having a game coming up, you know, you want you need to give him a little bit of time off. He certainly doesn't need the game preparation at all. So that's why I'm saying maybe you'll see Daniel Jones get in there for an extended period of time. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. No, in the big picture of things, the coaching staff knows who they truly need to evaluate, who yep. needs the work, Jeff, and who is in good shape entering the season already. I, I um I haven't been on since the game and I, I tell you there's a couple of takeaways from the game that I that I was happy to see. Um and num- number one, I was happy with the, the secondary and they played a lot. Um certainly have to play better. Um but and the other thing is on the offensive side, there was not a lot of drop passes, which I thought was good. And I thought the tackling at this point in juncture of the season was pretty decent. I mean, usually that first preseason game, you get a lot of bad tackling. I thought the Giants did well in those categories. Did not see anything, any pressure on the quarterback, which which begins is starting to begin to bother me a little bit. But you know, again, this is without scheme, this is out game planning. But I I would think that some of these guys could get to the quarterback, um, being a you know who they were up against. I mean, you got 90 players in camp, and a lot of these guys aren't going to be on the on any NFL roster. Get after the quarterback. I was a little bit. Um, take it. I, I wish we could see, and that's something that has to change, Lance. You know that that has to change, and hopefully it will. But I was really excited about the cornerbacks. Yeah, the young guys got a lot of playing time. I Man, mean, they we were saw in there. Corey Trust. Valentine, Julian Love, DeAndre Baker. You know, they were not holding back, and it's important yeah. for them to get reps because this was their first taste of the National Football League. And um, Chandler played well too. You know, Sean Chandler, the safety. So he's a guy that's, you know, in, in the mix for that other safety position. Um, because uh, I got to believe they're going to keep. <sighs> well, four, I think, is reasonable. Have to because Love to can play be, a little bit of corner correct. and he Love. has that flexibility of. So, yeah, I exactly. Mean, and Michael Thomas could play safety and corner and because you can move him into the slot. Yeah. And both both Chandler and Michael Thomas, both are they can play special teams, which yeah. makes it be. And then Conley. I mean, that guy was all over the place. I mean, I was, I know I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit, but I just love the energy level that that guy has. I mean, he has a motor, um, reminds me a lot like, and listen, the comparison is 
Chase Blackburn was uh, a heck of a football player, a smart guy, just knew the defense better than maybe some of the coaches and was always in the right place at the right time, but you know, not as fast as, as, uh, as Conley at all. And he was all over the place. I just love watching him play. Speaking of the secondary, by the way, DeAndre Baker did speak to the media earlier today. He said he's not feeling discomfort in the sprained knee, which is certainly good news that the Giants received yesterday after he went for an MRI, and he's still day-to-day. Would he get in in Friday's game? I think probably they're going to lean towards resting him. That's just my personal mm-hmm. opinion. We haven't heard anything. And then you move him along slowly so that hopefully he could take part in that third preseason game. Pat Shermer also was asked once again about Golden Tate and is there any word about conclusion to the suspension. And Pat Shermer did say that they're anticipating hearing something shortly, but the NFL is going to make the announcement. The Giants are not going to make the announcement, which is usually how it is always handled. So, mm. you know, that's at least some team news in yeah. terms of injuries and pending suspensions and appeals and so You kind of hope it. I mean, that it's inevitable something's going to happen. You just want to know because it, every day you get up and it's like, okay, is today going to be the day? It's just is a today? lingering storyline. It line. is, and yeah. it's just not, you know, which get it over with and finished and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean... I would be I would be surprised just from the history of how things work that anything um, it could be reduced. I, I maybe, but I don't think it's going to go away. There is going to be a suspension, in my opinion, and I just have been between two and four games. Well, it's a zero tolerance policy, so I'm with you, Jeff. It, it's hard to believe that things are drastically going to change, but they you know can't. we'll wait and see what happens. I, I think the Giants are certainly in their head preparing for him to miss some games. Yeah. How many, that remains yeah. to be seen. But Two would I, I be think, mm-hmm. Correct. If it gets cut in half, it gets cut in half. If not, you know, that's why they're valuating all of these wide receivers. And I think, you know, speaking of some takeaways from the preseason game, you were focusing on the secondary and the linebackers. TJ Jones, I thought, had a very nice performance, Jeff. Speaking well, of a guy that's doing the right thing to try to solidify a roster spot here right now. And a guy that just, you know, just brought in recently. I mean, he hasn't yeah, been around I mean, here a while. Been here only for a few weeks. And um, veteran. He's a veteran guy. Well, and you so can tell. It, that's he, why it's no not question. a surprise that he could produce him. Yeah, and I feel, you know, he's kind of one of those guys where he could make a he make comes in and makes a statement and makes a team. I, I like to see how he plays special teams. I don't know if he has a history of special teams play or not, but that's going to make a difference. Um, while Golden Tate is out of the lineup, I could see TJ Jones stepping in here and making some plays. I absolutely can. And to answer your question, he's been a return man. So he could certainly contribute on that front as a kickoff guy as well as a punt guy. He got some opportunities in the last preseason game. He scared the heck out of me. Yeah, well, he had to retreat for one, (laughs) and it was a very tough angle and did not hold on to the football. But I certainly think he made up for it in terms of what he did at the wide receiver spot. We saw Benny Fowler make plays. Cody Latimer made plays. And Russell Shepard made that big catch and run for Mm -hmm. a touchdown and no coincidence all three of those guys were on the roster last year and you hope to see them pick up where they left off you add tj jones into the mix that's why whenever we field questions jeff and we've been getting questions on this program you know are the giants going to look at other wide receivers my answer is i think they like the veteran group that they have here and let's see if a young guy can push one of those established players but you know all of these guys right now in camp are familiar with the scheme you bring in somebody new you got to have you have to take into account that, Jeff, it may take a week for them to understand oh, more. Oh, you know, yeah. what's going on. You know, Maybe a veteran could catch on a little bit quicker, but the point is you're going to need a few days before they understand the ins and outs of the offense. So you're not really you. helping yourself. I there. agree with you. I think that the staff really likes who's here. 
I think they're they're a good working group. Um, I haven't seen any type of diva ness, if you will, that I usually come from that 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 position. You've been around your favorite. But I, I feel like this is a group that likes to work and it's competitive and likes to get, make each other better. And you certainly want to see that out of out of the receivers when you got a guy that's going to go on on the suspension list. Okay, so. Someone's going to have to step up, and we always talk about the next man up. One of these young guys to do it. Russell Shepard is a prime example. The guy stepped up. I mean, he stepped up last season. When you didn't really think he was going to do much, he, he did well, and now he just continues to do it. He's a guy you got to look at. And T.J. Jones, I like the way he plays. I watched him out of practice today. I like the way he works. I like the way he catches the ball, his awareness, and where he's in a crowd. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun to get out there and watch practice today. I haven't been able to watch enough of it um, this year, but – it was good to get out there. It was at ten fifteen, so I was able to make it on the field. It worked out in terms of Jeff Fiegel's schedule. I told Pat, you know, hey, positive. why don't you have it at ten fifteen yeah, yeah. tomorrow? Just tweak it. Make sure it works around your it's all good. needs and so forth. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, it worked hey, out good. Got to do. see a couple punt periods, which is more important. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. It's all really good. Good stuff. Yeah, I thought I saw from afar you were chatting up. Maybe I was talking to Riley. Okay. Yeah, and Ryan yeah, Anderson. See. They like to come to the well for some, well, they some, know uh, where to go. some knowledge. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know what you know what both of their questions were? About directional kicking. Go figure. <laughs> well, your reput your reputation precedes itself. It's so. not easy, I tell it's, them. It's not easy. You gotta work it. Of course. I mean, and uh, then, you don't just snap your fingers and become Jeff Eagles overnight. Well, no. But I, I will tell you that once you are able to perfect that, it can help you, you know, the longevity. Because once the hang time goes down in punting, they want you to start direction, and so you, you can make up for it. And that's how I got to play in the later of my years. Is I didn't have the great hang time, but I had the, the, the precision the accuracy of the accuracy yeah. of putting it where I wanted to. All right, enough punting. That's there you it. Go. Well, we, got, we met our punting quota. quota. Yeah. For the is there a bell in here? Today. We can ring the bell <laughs> well, enough. We'll have to add that for future shows. 201-939-4513. That's the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel is with you here. Latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. Let's open up the lines. We've got Ross in Philly. He gets us going. Ross, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for Hi, me? Ross. Hey, guys. How are you? It's always an honor to uh, speak to you both. Thank you. Um, I love the online content that you guys put up. Um, and I was watching the Sights and Sounds with Julian Love. Um, and he, at one point, he was, I think he was talking about Davis Webb, and he was saying something about um, rhythm throws. I just wanted to see why, you know, what that meant, what he meant by that. Um, and then also ask, um, it seems like the sights and sounds um, during the season are only after wins. I just wanted to see if there was a reason behind that. Hmm. Well, I don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer either. And, and I didn't even here. notice that until you mentioned it. I didn't yeah. even know that that was a trend. I know that obviously our production team does everything it can to you know, sure. bring as much behind the doors you know, con uh, concepts as well as content, I should say, to you. So uh, I can find out. We could try to certainly relay that to you on future programs. But uh, I know at least for the preseason, I don't see why that's going to fluctuate with wins and losses. I would assume they're going to do a sights and sounds, Ross, for every single preseason game. What was the question about rhythm throws that came from Julian Love? What What was that? Uh, he just mentioned he was, uh, I think he was talking to um, some of the other players, some of the other defensive backs. And he just kept saying rhythm throws, rhythm throws. Um, and then they showed the clip of, um, I think it was Davis Webb that threw the interception um, to um, one of the defensive backs. And I was just, like I said, I was just wondering if, if it was yeah. like a terminology or something um, that some of you know, some of regular people wouldn't know that you guys can shine some light on. I, I think I think I know where this. So I, I read, I read about 
Michael Thomas letting Julian Love know yes, a little bit about. I actually even tweeted that out. Correct. Okay, in so the that's sounds, and yeah. maybe that's where this is coming. Rhythm throws is you know the the quarterback gets in these three or five step, seven step drops. This is the rhythm. So you kind of can, if you're if you're keying in on that type of a drop that the quarterback is in rhythm where you make your breaks on the football. I think that has a lot to do with it. Remember, Michael Thomas was here last year with Davis Webb. So yep. I think he had he knew a little bit about his rhythm and how he threw it, and maybe that helped with the interception. Yeah, Michael Thomas, I didn't see the clip that you're referring to, Ross, where Julian Love mentioned the rhythm throw. I did see the clip, Jeff, that you brought up. Michael Thomas was on the sideline, and he was telling Corey Ballantyne. Oh, because that's Ballantyne what it was. Okay. had the interception, and he said, the quarterback that's in was on our team last year, yeah. and he doesn't shy away from throwing it, meaning taking chances, being aggressive. That's what Michael Thomas was relating to Ballantyne, and then obviously he aired it out, Davis Webb, and Ballantyne was there for the interception. The rhythm throw, my interpretation is in line with what you're talking about, Jeff. It's the fact that you have quarterbacks that they sometimes tip their cap a little bit, you know, and they showcase what they're going to do, play in and play out, and it becomes predictive. And I think that's what Michael Thomas and Julian Love may have been discussing so that you know Davis Webb is is constantly getting into a rhythm where he's doing a similar step a similar drop back and his eyes are on a certain part of the field and you should be aware of that and watch out for that because that'll give away his tendency so that you can have a better read to either jump a route or be in position for an interception there you go now you have it very good thanks guys I appreciate it <laughs> hey you got it Ross appreciate it You're thanks welcome. so much for uh, tuning in and uh, weighing in and the, the sights and sounds that the Giants did put up I thought you know provided some entertainment value as well as some insight in the last one because you know Michael Thomas was very vocal in talking to some of the young guys and you know coaching them up which to me is a really nice thing to see when a veteran on the squad embraces some of the young guys and you know I, I know it's maybe cliche to say oh well that's happening across the league Jeff and yes I'm not saying that that's unique but I think sometimes veteran guys, and and maybe you can relate to this and and teammates of yours, the last thing you want to do is, you know, give pointers to a young guy who you know could very well be taking your roster spot, whether it be this year or next year. Remember, the NFL is a young man's game. They're always looking for the next crop of prospects, Jeff, to come in and take your spot. So I can understand if a veteran is not necessarily enthusiastic to give all these pointers to uh, all of these young guys here or there. I really think it, it it depends on the individual. Yeah. And if I look at Michael Thomas, he's an amazing man. He's a great guy. Um, and I just think that that's just his personality and his character. There are some guys that wouldn't give you the time of day. They would just be like, you know, listen, if you're going to take my job, you're going to do it without me helping you. Correct. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but, good luck. Yeah, good luck. But from a team aspect, you kind of want to have a – everybody's, you know – has the same goal and that's of winning championships and some people will just help you and some people won't <laughs> just the way it is. yeah it depends on the personality of the player but you're right Michael Thomas is certainly in a league of his own and yes. I think part of it is because Michael Thomas has been in a position where he's had to you know what hustle do everything he yeah. can yeah. to even make it on a 53-man roster this is a practice squad player with the Niners who goes from there to intercepting Tom Brady in his Dolphins regular season debut Mm -hmm. to then joining the Giants, and even with the Dolphins a little, becoming a key component of their secondary. And now, last season, you know, Michael Thomas wasn't just a special teams player. No, he played a lot. Yeah, he played a lot on defense. They put him in the slot, and they didn't hesitate. That's why I wouldn't be surprised, and I brought this up with Howard yesterday, and I said, I could see three safeties being on the field, and it's not so much, Jeff, three safeties in the safety position. It's Mm -hmm. Tom is playing slot 
yeah. with the two safeties. So therefore, technically, three you safeties. have three safeties on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I said it earlier in one of the shows a couple of weeks ago, is that uh, James Betcher, he has the personnel that he is that he wants to be. He can mess around with what he wants to do out there. He's got depth at the cornerback and the safety position as of right now. And he's got some young people to be able to go out there and do that, you know, two, two, seven, if you had it. I mean, they ran, Paul was, you know, he was giddy about that. Cause he had mentioned that, Oh, I think they're going to do this two, two, seven personnel grouping. Yeah. And they did it. Um, but you only do that when you have seven cornerbacks that your confidence are going to be able to play. And some of those cornerbacks are by the way, safety slash corners the versatile players and that's what you get out of that so yeah. gives you the flexibility and michael thomas you know he's a special teams pro bowler last year we knew that coming in here that he's he excelled at special teams um just like some of these other guys have to to make the team yeah you know? especially if you are the fifth linebacker the fifth wide receiver it's not even up for debate yeah. you either contribute on special teams or you don't get a jersey and we've had many examples I constantly bring this up on the program. I'll rehash it for members of the audience that may have not heard it. In, in previous years, Jeff, you know, when we get the inactives, sometimes we're trying to read between the lines, okay, why was this guy a healthy scratch? Whether it's Tavares King yeah. or, yeah. you know, some other corner that's been on the team previously, and more often than not, it has to do with they don't think that that player necessarily would have given what they needed sure. to on special teams. Yeah, yeah, in that position. Exactly. So, um, you know, the punt the punt team is probably the most important of the special teams units, um, aside from field goal. But I mean, field goal it has to do with just the kicker make the field goal. But punt is with the coverage and protections and the field the fields you know the distance you're covering and flipping the field and stuff. Punt is the most important of the of the of the special teams units. They work the most on it, so therefore the personnel has to be the most important. Which goes to what you were saying is that if this guy doesn't, we don't feel he's going to be a good fit on our punt team. We're not going to have him active, so we need to bring this other guy up. That's usually what happens. Leon Hall is another example that comes to mind. Oh, sure. He was with the Giants a few years ago, the former Bengals corner who joined the team right at the beginning of training camp that season. Yep. He also was a healthy scratch at times because of special teams. That's that's 100% correct. Yeah, and he was an older guy, and it just didn't want you know just couldn't play the special teams like the younger guy did. So let's head back to the phone lines. Mike is in Florida. Mike, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Hey, Lance, Jeff, how you doing? Good. Doing all right, Mike. What's on your mind? Uh, um, it's funny, Jeff. You were talking about uh, Riley and Ryan asking you about directional punting. Um, uh, special coach, uh, special teams coach McGee was interviewed last week, and yeah. they asked him how Riley could improve improve his game, and he said by you know, uh, focusing more on directional punting, and then he mentioned your name. So I said, well, somebody remembers Jeff Beagle. That's nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, T-Mac, um, T-Mac was yeah. uh, actually, he was, when I, he was the assistant under Tom Quinn um, when I was with the Giants. So, you know, T-Mac and I go way back, and that was when he was, he came from LSU, um, he came from LSU. I, I can't remember if it was before yeah, or after. The gay he was that he, that he went from, I'll look it up. Oh, no, I think he went from the Giants to LSU and then back into the NFL. But regardless, he was indoctrinated into directional kicking as a young special teams coach, learning from from us or me and whoever. Um, so now he understands how important it is. And, you know, I, I don't want to get stuck on, on directional kicking and punting the whole program, but I'm going to tell you, it's very difficult for these young guys to learn how to do it because they don't do it in college. Now Riley is a he's a veteran. He's been in the league. I think this is going to be his fourth year. 
fourth or fifth. Um, and it didn't take me literally probably till my sixth or seventh season to figure out how to do it. So it's not easy, but you know, you got to be careful today's world with the returners years and years ago, there was only a handful of guys in each conference that could return punts. Now there's a guy back there every single week that most likely is a better athlete and faster than the 10 guys. And I leave the punter out the 10 guys covering it. And so it puts a, it puts a huge emphasis on directional kicking so that the coverage team knows where the ball's going and you can corral that guy at a certain area and eliminate his returns. McGahee went to LSU after the Giants. Okay, that's As what you it mentioned, was. Dixon yep. is entering his fourth season. Okay. Just uh, throwing out yep. some uh, facts. I, I fact-check Jeff as Very we go good. through the program. And, yeah. uh, before we let you continue, it, it's important to note that Jeff gets royalties every time his name is brought up in a Giants <laughs> press conference. So that's another reason why Thomas McGahee brings it up as right. much as possible. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there, but we'll, we'll let you continue. And yeah. the royalties, well, they're, yeah, they're not much, trust me. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. every little thing counts. They might, every little thing it, counts. They might yeah. take care of a parking meter for 30 <laughs> seconds maybe. That's about how much I get it. Anyway, so what's up, Mike? What else you got? Uh, anyhow, um, a couple weeks ago, Jeff, you know, I called up and was comparing Ray Guy and, and your statistics because um, I was kind of miffed that only uh, one punter out of 318 inductees were in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, you, you, had, you played 22 seasons. The first two were with the Patriots, correct? That's correct. Okay. Right. After that, you... The 20 seasons following that, you averaged 40 yards a punt every season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every season for 20 yards. That for 20 years, I just was one. And and your last season looked, you know, looked like you know you were still kicking uh, very well. What was your deciding factor to retire? I it was my it was my health. It was my health. Like is my knee um, just kind of gave out. It was done. And I couldn't, the deciding factor was this. I probably could have ended up continuing to play that 23rd season, but right. I couldn't train the way I wanted to train and able to, so that I would be, I feel comfortable going into a season and being able to play the whole year. I didn't want to put the Giants at a, you know, put them in a, in a situation where they were bringing guys in and out because if I was hurt or not. So I just decided that's it, you know, and I figured I'm going to walk away on my own terms. And that's when I went to the Giants in April and told them, you know, or actually it was, yeah, it was, it, it was April, early April before the draft. I'm done. So in case you guys want to go draft somebody and they did. So, yeah, anyways. I guess after 1700 punts and 71,000 yards, <laughs> you, you had it pretty much taken it. It's, we got the president of the Jeff Fiegel's fan club on the line. Mike, yeah. you know, his stats oh, better oh, than he no, does. We're not stopping here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a grassroots <laughs> campaign to Good. get him in the oh. hall of fame. Well, hey, ridiculous. Well, we're with you on that front. Well, Jeff, you were actually, uh, as we reminisce a little bit, you were at the ceremony the year that Ray Guy was inducted, right? It was a special year where a bunch of punters, right? Oh, where there was 20 of them. Together, right? the you would have loved it, Mike. There yeah. was 20, 20 ex, uh, NFL punters that were at, at, the, at the Hall of Fame when Ray Guy went in. And that was just a fun, that was a great reunion. That was amazing yeah. to see some of those guys. And, you know, I played with most of them, you know, yeah. through the leagues. It was great. Thank you, Mike. All right, guys. Take right, care. Mike. Have a great day. Have a day. wonderful day. You as well. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. I'll be, on to, I'll be on tomorrow again if you want to call. Nine three nine four five one three. Yes, to, tomorrow we will go over the early stages of Jeff Eagle's career. We'll go back to the Miami days. We'll let you know his stats there and how the trajectory towards a 20-plus year NFL career came about. The, and phones, the phones will be lighting yes, up tomorrow. how you 
laid such a strong foundation. Okay. No mm -hmm. one knew at the time what was going to become of the legend of Jeff Eagles. So stay tuned for that yeah. on the latest edition of Thank Big you, Kickoff Live. You got it. We'll tease it any way we can. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico. Scott, welcome to the program. What do you got for us? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? You all right, Scott? Uh, I'm going to join the Jeff Eagles fan club. Hey, my, here we there go. There we go. All right. My, my Plenty of room on the bandwagon. For the second time on Big Blue Kickoff, I had mentioned that, um, like the previous caller, that Jeff was the best punter I had seen since Ray Guy. And so. Well, apparently you haven't seen many you punters in your career. You deserve it. So. Well, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Okay. That's enough. Let's go on. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I. I I do have a pet peeve, and I was wondering if you guys can help me with this. When Daniel Jones was drafted um, originally, everyone in most of the media was saying that he was basically the second coming of Eli Manning. And after watching him, just in the very short snippet that he had, I think he's the first coming of Daniel Jones, not the second coming of Eli Manning. If you watch the tape, which I did, and I had a friend of mine watch it who's a lot more familiar with quarterbacks, he got back faster to set his feet. He had a better point of release than Eli did in the time that Eli played uh, in that short snippet as well in the first series. So my question really is comparing the two quarterbacks, and this is a question that uh, probably can, is hard to answer. If the Giants don't do very well, say, for the first first three games. Whoa. Uh, the person in the background didn't like that statement. <laughs> See, when, when they hear Giants not doing well, somebody in the vicinity of Scott is not too happy. <laughs> yeah, if the Giants don't do yeah. well and uh, they... You got to be careful with saying that. But yeah. scenario, why is it so difficult to make a decision to say, hey, we want to put another quarterback in. I'm, none of this is negating what Eli's worth is. None of it is saying this is actually going to happen. But why is there a stigma comparing the quarterbacks that another quarterback can do as well? And realizing it's a very short window, uh, there's not real progress. We won't know what will happen in the next two preseason games. Uh, so I just want to know why there's this stigma that exists, because I was not a fan of Daniel Jones being drafted by the Giants. I was more a Dwayne Haskins guy. And when he was drafted, I wanted to give him a fair shot. And after watching him, uh, I was more impressed with his overall presence as a quarterback. And that's the one thing you look for for any quarterback, is what kind of present, pocket presence do they really have. And it really was outstanding, albeit a very short uh, mm -hmm. uh, example. So getting back to your point, Jeff, in regards to uh, making switches, uh, you know, when Bledsoe got hurt, Brady comes in and, you know, Katie bar the door, all of a sudden you have uh, six Super Bowls. So the real key is not comparing any of this to anything else because it's a separate situation. Eli's is different as Peyton is, even though the Cutcliffe Association exists for all three. But I feel that uh, even though um, Jones went to the camp and learned the tutelage under Eli, is he his own man? And does it hurt a quarterback to be regarded as somebody else's, you know, uh, sort of second-hand quarterback? And I always found that offensive, you know, let him stand on his own merits, etc. I was wondering what your opinion was on something like that. All right. Well, I mean, if you listen to Daniel Jones, uh, he, he doesn't reference Eli a lot. I mean, he, okay. he, he will he will thank him and, you know, we're in the meeting rooms and yeah, this and that. But I, I think that he's that he basically has prepared himself to understand that. Yeah, he is the he's the successor. 
but I'm Daniel Jones and I was drafted six in the NFL. I'm going to make my own way about this. And, and when I get on the field, I'm going to get on the field. Um, and I think that's about it. And I think that's a way to go to it. I, nobody like nobody wants to sit back and constantly reference the guy that you're going to try to beat out. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I think that it, the way that he's going about it has been a good way. And the best way to, for him to do anything is to do it on the field and do it in preseason games and just do what he's supposed to do and let the chips fall where they may. Because nobody's going to know. There's no you know crystal ball that says in week number seven that Eli is going to do really, really bad, and that's going to be the change in the guard. We don't know. He just has to prepare himself right. for when that happens. And whether it's next year or after the third or the 16th, I don't know. But nobody knows. Well, and all these comparisons that you're bringing up, Scott, is really media-driven. Totally media-driven. I mean, Daniel right. Jones is not sitting in the quarterback room, and he's saying, you know, let me try to mimic everything Eli Manning does. It's getting to the point where they were taking pictures of the two of them standing at the podium and telling us that the way Eli Manning stands at the podium is the same way Daniel Jones stands at the podium. Yeah, I mean, they're both 6'5". Right. Yeah, as if there's multiple ways to stand at the podium. You put two <laughs> exactly. hands on the podium and you yeah. stand up. So my point is, I, I think... I think a lot of what you're alluding to is just people have nothing better to talk about because we don't have a regular season game to break down. And, okay. you know, it, it's a nice, convenient comparison. But to answer your question, Daniel Jones, the legacy he builds, whether he succeeds or not, is going to be based on his own doing. It's not going to be right. based on what camp he went to, the fact that Cutcliffe coached him just like Eli. He's got to go out there and do it. If he does it, great. If he doesn't, you know, that's the rest of the story. But it's got nothing right. to do with Eli's past, present, or anything like that. Okay, well, I appreciate it, guys. I was just curious yeah. about that point. You're you welcome, it, Scott. Thanks again. Thank you, Scott. And thanks so much for weighing in. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones is not consuming himself with uh, the comparisons. I actually, I'll rem I remember a press conference earlier during the course of this offseason, and one of the questions posed to Daniel Jones, Jeff, was, what would be the ideal scenario for you to take over as quarterback? As if Daniel Jones right now is going home every night and saying to himself, yeah, week five would make a lot of sense. Give Eli four <laughs> games. No, you know what? Give Eli eight games, and then I take over midway. No, that that makes yeah. sense. Okay, no, yeah. I'll sit for the entire season, and then I will start at the beginning of 2020. Who thinks like this? I get it. Those they questions, they have to be asked, whatever. You're hoping for this great, elaborate answer. He's just he's certainly not the type of guy that's going to give you a, a great answer to that, nor should he be consuming himself. And by that. the way, it's not going to be his choice anyways. It's, you know of what I'm saying? Not. It's, yeah. And so, like I said, you just have to prepare yourself and practice and do everything you can to get yourself ready to play and feel comfortable enough to play because what you're going to be by doing all that, the coaches are going to pick up on it. They are going to feel comfortable when you're ready. And that might be the sixth week or the third week. They might come out of training gap and go, you know what? We really think that Daniel Jones is ready to go tomorrow. If we wanted to start him, we could put him in there. And that's what that's all you have to do as a player. Never think about what the coaches are going to do. Just It's all you have to just think about what you have to do as a player and go out there and do it. And as the more you do that, the better off you're going to be long, long term and short term. Because there's... you. You don't ever in this league get to tell them what to do. That's not how the National Football League works. Other than quit, <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. That's your decision. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's a it. personal choice. Okay? You're the head coach. I can't come to you and say, I want to play tomorrow. Okay? It's my turn. Get Eli out of there. You're, what, really? You're not, it's not going to happen that way. So, Daniel Jones, prepare yourself. Go out and practice. And when the organization thinks you're ready to go, that's great. But there will be a rhyme or reason why. Either Eli is really horrible or they feel like Daniel 
is better. It's all about competition. You know they're going to put the best player in there. And this is a tough situation, like you said, Lance, is because this is where Eli is coming into uncharted waters here. You know, he's going to be one of the longest tenured giants ever. And you want to treat the situation very gingerly, right? Look what happened with the McAdoo thing and them benching him and things like that. That was a debacle. They don't want to treat something like the change in the guard to go awry. We don't want that again. So they're going to be very careful about it. Well, and I think probably this offseason when Eli Manning sat down with Dave Gettleman, Jeff, those yes. conversations I wanted occurred. to be a fly on the wall oh, for it that. Oh, would have been fantastic Because I'm telling you, there was so much more into that conversation that people know about. There has to be. We're going to draft a quarterback. Okay, that that's one. That's great. Correct. And when we do, it's going to be in the first round, and this guy is going to be capable of coming in and taking your job at some point in time. You're going to have to understand this. Do you understand this, Mr. Manning? Yes, I do. But one thing about Eli Manning is he's a company guy. He's a team player. He will do everything he can to help the team. It's all about the team. It's not about Eli Manning. It never has been. Never will be either. That's just the way he is. And I can assure you that he's also not going to give the Giants coaching staff a reason to make a change. If, if, if you anything, know it's going to be based on the team and what happens with the team, and, not necessarily and you can as an hope. individual. You can hope. Because you know what? We've, we've seen Eli stink it up. We've seen him stink it up plenty of times. You just hope that that's not the cause and effect here, you know, and maybe, you know, if, if I'm Eli and I understand what's been laid out for me and been told to me that even if I'm playing well and the team is not doing well, we've got to give the young kid a chance to play. Do you understand that we're going to have to do this? Okay. If that's the scenario and I'm Eli Manning, I'm going to do everything I can to play the way that I should play because then I understand the reason wasn't me. I don't want the reason to be me that, that I got replaced. Does that make sense? No, it makes 100% sense. That's actually exactly what I was laying out. He can control what he can control. And as long as he does that to a level that's productive, perfect. then you know what? Even if they do make a change, at the end of the day, if you're Eli Manning, at least if I was in his shoes, Jeff, I would say, hey, I did all I could do. It may have not led to the ideal results but i left it all out there that's right and then you know let the cards play out how they are and that's all you can ask of any player really and that's all you can ask of yourself as being a professional player is that you have to do everything you can to do well and prepare you don't want any stone unturned okay preparation is a key to success guys that that do not prepare they don't succeed and they go beyond the guys that go beyond the pre uh, preparing they're the ones that succeed over and over and over. And I won't bore you with any of the punting details, but the only reason I lasted as long as I did is because I went above and beyond the preparation of how to get to the level in this game that it is, which is a very difficult game, to uh, sustain and stay and be competitive. you got to do different things, right? Outside the building, you had to do different things to help you. Um, there's guys that leave this building that will never, ever do anything like that. And those are the guys that will never, ever play long in this league. That's why it's not for long in the National NFL, Football League. NFL, not for long. Yeah. yeah. Turnover rate is extremely high. And if you don't keep up with the rest of the pack, to your point, Jeff, you're going to be left behind. Let's head back to the phone lines. Joe is in Pennsylvania. Hey, Joe. What's happening, Joe? Hey, hi, guys. Hi. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to see that new toy there out there. Uh, <laughs> it's a good, uh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you know, even how good Eli's playing, you know, hey, give the kid a chance, you know. As long sure. as he keeps playing like this, I mean, he was perfect. But look at that offensive line. And he, I know it was against the second team, but wasn't that, my God, I, I don't remember for a while to put up a wall like that. They really did give him some nice protection there. Well, it makes a difference. Uh, and know, it also uh, helps when the opposing team's not blitzing too. I think it was a combination of two good factors. Yeah. And he took right. advantage of it, which he should. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, they look good for that little bit. So I, I guess we're going to see, hopefully we're going to see them for at least a quarter this game, I guess our starting unit, and then maybe uh, next game usually they go uh, uh, half, and then, you know, I mean, last game it's everybody again, you know, yep. I guess usual. But the receivers do look pretty good too, you know, that we have. There's going to be some t- tough cuts there too. And uh, I was really surprised on them. Maybe I was a little down on the the running backs. Besides our fullback, he looked really good. And the other guy we picked up from uh, Dallas, there, he Smith. looked good. But uh, Gallman and the uh, and the other ones, you know, they had sort of a tough game there. Uh, Paul Perkins had a really tough game. He really right. Did. That that's what I mean. They're, them guys are going to have to show. You know, I don't think we put out as much. Uh, we, we, no. uh, uh, we were trying to run the ball as much as. Uh, passing it it seemed uh so we're gonna have some it's it's gonna be funny if if they keep going like that i said yesterday the progress these uh our backup quarterbacks are making can let it still go on the on the practice squad who's that yeah he's uh, eligible for the practice squad kyle Oletta he brought up Joe. oh sure yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Right, and the other guy, you know, if he he he, he, he what's his name? Who? The other guy that we have here that is Alex our backup. Tanny? Yeah, Tanny. Uh, Tanny's an but, established veteran. Right, he's he shown that. So, uh, and yeah. uh, really, somebody with a, with hurt quarterback, you know, uh, he's going to be tough just to leave go to. Well, well but if they do there, if they keep three tough. though, then they may not have to worry about that. They could well, very well keep three quarterbacks. Well, I I don't know about that. Do you think so? Well, you think bo- you really keep three quarterbacks with all the young talent we have? I don't know. Well, that, you know. I mean, there was young talent on the team last year, and they kept three quarterbacks. Yeah, but this year, if Jones keeps showing what he's showing, you're going to play him, I would think, if something happened to Eli. Yeah, but, but you're looking at it more from playing time, and I think coaches are also looking at it, and Pat Shermer's brought this up, a good quarterback room where there's dialogue, there's guys throwing out ideas, breaking down film, and I think they value Tanny's presence in that department. So that's what I would not overlook yeah. when you think yeah. about how they break down the roster. Well, when it comes down to leaving some of, some of them good players go, you know, I just don't know because you got to really think of it. Eli's been an Iron Man too. Yeah, and yeah. If yeah. He, I think, you know what, Joe, it all depends on all the other positions. You know, you may be light in the linebacking position or whatever, and if you can't afford to keep that third quarterback, they're not going to. They'll have to just keep two, you know, and and keep their fingers crossed. Yeah, if an injury comes up over the next three preseason games, all bets are off. But, I mean, right now, if Golden Tate is suspended, remember, he goes on the suspended list, so you could still keep six wide receivers. Golden Tate is not taking up a spot on the 53. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to hear how that, you know, puts you in a precarious no. situation. No, well, I'm, so, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking about most of our depth, I think, and a lot of good talent is in the defensive backfield where 
we're going to have some tough cuts there if they stay healthy. You know. Uh, well, you so usually we, keep about you know ten yeah, defensive yeah, backs, nine or ten. So I mean, if they keep ten, which I would expect, I think they're going to be able to retain a lot of that depth that you're referring to. I mean, Jeff and I counted you know the four safeties. And then that gives you an opportunity to keep even more corners. Well, you, you got to have about six. You got to have three right corners to start, right? I mean, it's just the way because it is. Because back up well, in each position. Yeah, that's so, six uh, plus your four is ten. Yeah. So that's why ten. I mean, Jenkins, DeAndre Baker, Grant Haley. Let's say these three guys are the starters. All right. Okay. Then we Beal. add. Okay, Beal, Ballantyne, Love. Love. Okay, so that's three more. That's six. Yep. There you go. And then yeah. on top of the four safeties. So I mean, that's ten guys right there. Well, yeah, well, you have the, the defensive backfield, you have the receivers, you have the tight end and the fullback. There's going to be decisions there. So it, And there is gonna, every and year. Plus yeah. the quarterbacks, well, you that, know, that's they where, keep yeah. playing. The fullback will be on this roster. You're, you're seeing too much of of him in an in offensive He's playing too much for them to eliminate that position. And he looks good. Yes, you he know does. What I mean? yeah, he Penny. looks very strong in in blocking and catching the the ball. You know. Yeah. And the same. Uh, what's his name from Dallas? What's his name? Rod we Smith. just picked up. Yeah, Rod, Rod Smith. Yeah, he's who look, also he's looking strong too. Well, so, I Smith mean, was also a fullback early in his career, so you know that also gives them another option if they wanted to keep uh, a fullback. Rod Smith is capable of playing that position. I, it's I a mean, numbers game, Joe. It always is. It really it's, it's well, well, it's good to see them all, all looking good there. So hopefully our defense can step it up in that. So uh, go Giants. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Thanks, Joe, Joe. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in. Let's head back to lines. Let's check in with Len in Maryland. Len, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Jeff. Hello, Len. How you been? Good, good. Everything's good. Um, wanted to try to pick up, and I won't take too much of your time, I promise. Um, I tried to pick up on your conversation just a couple of minutes ago on the transition. You know, assuming, assuming Daniel Jones is the guy, and, and I, I hope that's correct, because eventually we're going to have to replace Eli, He's and I hope guy. we don't have to draft three quarterbacks in order to do that. I hope it's Daniel. It'll make things a lot simpler. Um, I, I think the real problem is going to be the – when you do it, the where you do it, the why you do it, and the how you do it with regard to this transition. No question. And that's a, that's, that's a tough management problem. I mean, we saw what happened the last time, as you, as you mentioned, with Coach Ben and bringing in Geno Smith. But this is probably going to be the most overanalyzed and the most em- no. emotional of change from a, from, a bat, from a substitute to a starter in the history of the NFL. I mean, this is going to be worldwide news, guys. I think mm-hmm. we all know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's really going to be overplayed. But I, I see those four aspects of it as being the really tough part. When do you do it? Where do you do it? In other words, on, on the road, at home, uh, you know, how do, how do you do it? Middle of a game. Why do you do it? Is Daniel really playing better, or we just got to get him on the field? Those are going to be those are going to be controversial and emotional things. I hope it doesn't take its toll on the season. I think the two Good guys point. may be able to handle it. Jones and Eli may be able to handle it better than the fans, including myself, are going to be able to handle. <laughs> well, you're going to be able to handle. Well, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. One other point, it. I'd, I'd yeah. like your. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're going to hear about this weekend and week out. Absolutely. I mean, Eli's going to have a bad game, you know, and then, well, there it goes. There's Sports yeah. Talk Radio. Oh, Daniel Jones is ready. Okay, and so you're right, and, and there's no way to get around the subject. 
Oh, my God, no. Well, but, I mean, you can see the first question every week to Coach Shermer in his press conference post game. Who's the quarterback next Sunday? Well, he's already um, been asked about it after um, one preseason series. So if he was asked yes, about it after well, one true. preseason there you series, go. There you, you, go. you know there you what's going to come. And, but, but and the, it's going to be it's going to be controversial. Well, let me, well, let me get your, well before your before to this before you mention that, Len, be, before you go on to your next point, it's going to be yeah. controversial from a media perspective. I can tell you this: it's not going to be controversial in terms of the conversations that go on in the building. See, that's the difference. Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman and John Mara said today it's Pat Shermer's decision when he wants to make a change, who he wants to go to, and so forth. Shermer is not going to be listening to sports talk radio to influence when he makes a change. It's going to be based on X's and O's. So the the fans may see it as controversial because of how the media treats the conversation. It's not going to be controversial inside the building. Those are two different things, but I'll let you continue. Okay. Well, let me, before I get to the point I was going to make, I'd like to respond to what you just said. Everyone would like, hey, here's my thought on this. Everyone would like to think that it should always be the coach's decision. Lance, I don't believe that in this case. Well, there's this conversations with be, multiple parties. Is, he's going to, listen, he's going to ask permission to do this. Well, I, I don't know if he's going to ask permission. I think that there's going to be dialogue, to your point, Len. You know, he's not okay. going to maybe make the decision on an island. John Mara was even asked, actually, coincidentally, you brought that up. He goes, well, you know, how are you going to be involved? And John Mara said, I, I mean, I'm not necessarily going to be the guy to tell you when to do it. He just said, I'd like to know before I read about it in the papers. Jokingly, that's all he said. <laughs> I so, hope yeah. so. So, yeah. I mean, so, but, yes, we're not naive, Len. Of course, but, if, if Shermer but, and Gettleman are going to make a change like that, they're going to go to the front office and they're going to let them know. But yeah. I, I do believe that Shermer and Gettleman are going to be the leaders of that decision considering they're evaluating the roster on a daily basis. I, 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 I believe that Mr. Mara has an idea about when he'd like it to happen, where he'd like it to happen, really? how he'd like it to happen, and why he'd like it to happen. Yeah, week, week, and week. I don't think, And I think that's going to – I think all of that is going to play a part. Well, you I think hope. it's going to play a part. Right, let me, let me, can I get back to the sure, last point? Yeah, I know you're running quick. out of time, yeah. and, so, and I appreciate you keeping me on uh, and allowing me to ask this last question. I, I'd like your opinion on this. When we make the change, you know, when, where, when, whenever it happens, that's the change. There ain't no going back. If Eli comes off the field or doesn't start a game, he never starts again. He never starts again. Barring injury, barring injury. And I'm not saying that's Eli's decision, but I think when this decision is made, when Daniel Jones goes on that field in a regular season game, other than a blowout. Now, I mean, you know, there are always circumstances, right. but yeah. I think you get the idea I'm, yeah. I'm coming up yeah. with here. Yeah. He's, um, Eli's never going back in the game. Well, you would think, you would think that, you would think that that would be the case. Other than a blowout, if there's a team that's, you know, and they probably, this has probably been discussed already with Eli. This is what's going to happen if the team is we're written, we're getting blown out. We're going to get the kids some reps, okay? You're going to come out. You're going to go in. That doesn't mean you're not starting next week, right? But once the the if and this is so speculative, if it ever happens where he's yes. benched, then yeah, you can't go back on your decision. You got to go yes. forward, and that's yes. and that yes. will be the day in infamy. You will definitely know that day was the day that Eli Manning. Is now no longer the starter of the football giants. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. And there also, you go. The, hey, thanks the, for taking my call and allowing and me to. Um, no problem. Yep. You, you know. Appreciate the phone call, Len. Thanks so much for uh, 
chiming in. I, I, also, the logistics of the contract, too, I think help lay that scenario out, Jeff. Yeah, because, next year. I mean, he's in the final year of his contract, yeah. so it wouldn't be far-fetched that if a change is made, with injury putting aside and blowout being put aside, meaning it's a legitimate change, a healthy scratch, essentially, then yeah. yes, based on the contract yeah. for Eli Manning and the circumstances surrounding the team, no, it would not stun me if that would be perhaps the end-all, be-all And situation. ultimately, you know, you're trying to win football games here, okay? And if, if Eli Manning is not doing well and you think that number eight can do better, then you put him in, okay? And if that's the decision, you live with it. And you hit the nail on the head. They don't the, the the coaches don't care what the public opinion is. They don't. Okay? They're going to do it with the better the better for the team. And it's all about team. It always has been and it's always going to be about the team and trying to win football games and the better player will play. Here's a quote that Mara said about Dave Gettleman and it hits on exactly what you are saying and, and this is why I truly believe that the Giants are not worried about the court of public opinion here. This is John Marrow's asked about his confidence in Dave Gettleman, even after all of the changes yeah. and the criticism, whatever. John Marrow said, quote, I think the best thing for me about Dave is he makes decisions that he feels are in the best interest of the franchise, and he doesn't give a damn what people think about it, end quote. Well, that's Dave Gettleman. You, he's, he basically is telling, he tells you that all the time. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> sugarcoat it, you know, even when he's speaking to the media. So that's why, for those of you that think that they're reading the newspapers and listening to sports talk radio and feeling the pressure, okay, we better make a move because this is what the public's calling for, Dave Gettleman's not that guy. I mean, think about it. Dave Gettleman has made tough decisions, Jeff, when he was in Carolina. And guys like Steve Smith, we're talking about well-liked yeah. players, yeah. he moved on from them. Josh Norman. Josh he's willing to make those tough decisions, yeah. whether it is publicly you know, pats him on the back or it goes to the opposite extreme. He's just not worried about that. And you know what? You need a guy like that to run an organization. Especially in this situation. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And this is the guy that's trying to build a roster. So he's not worried about what people are going to think because, you know, he doesn't have time to think about that. He has time about, he's got a short period of time, these guys, to build a football team, which usually takes two or three years to do, and he's in his second year doesn't have time to think about what you or I think about this. He doesn't really care about it. Now, this will be a huge decision if it ever has to be made. But trust me, it'll be one that's well thought out. And then once it's made, that's it. You close the book, the chapter is over, and you move on. That's how they look at it. Everybody tries to make it so difficult. Now, this, this will be a difficult transition. But from, from, a, from an organizational standpoint, they're not going to make it that. I, I said this at the beginning. The guy that's going to be able to make the decision for you is number 10. That's it. If he doesn't play well, he's made the decision for you. Yeah, so He's going to help dictate it. Exactly. Okay. And the other one is the team. If the team is 0-7, and Eli's playing halfway decent, they're not going to keep Eli Manning in there. At least I don't think they would, right? Well, because the circumstances of the season have drastically changed. I think it also depends on what the division looks like there at you the go. time. All of those factors I mean, if you're still in the hunt... And we've had years where everybody's below 500, Jeff, so that may change things. That's why you can't look at record alone and say, oh, well, if the team struggles, well, what's the rest of the division yeah. look like? Is when you know these coaches, away with things? What you know these coaches, as long as there's a mathematical chance. Yeah, they're not going to give up on the season. You are going to do what you can to keep winning and try to – because you never know what happens in this league. Yeah. Guys get hurt, teams tank. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, they lose seven in a row, and you win seven in a row. You never know what's going to happen. But – Keep this in mind. The bottom line is who gives you the best chance to win? That's all you have to remember. 
Who gives me the best chance to win? Is it eight or ten? Or Tanny, whatever number he is. Three. Three. There you go. I think we've covered everybody. Kyle Olette is 17, by the way, for those of you who can't think at home. Now we move on to the final individual on this program. Uh, speaking of people that we wish we ran out of time for, Charlie and Portland, Maine. <laughs> What's happening, Charlie? Hey, guys. All right, hey, Charlie. Man. Sounds hey, good. Hey, <laughs> hey Jeff. You're welcome. What you, what you said is not true, and I'll give you one example. Oh, here we go. Eric, Eric Flowers. Okay. Well, he was not the best player to put at tackle okay. on that team. Well, they thought he that, was. <laughs> no, they didn't think it was. It was Jerry Reese saving his butt because he was a first-round pick. Okay. That's why he was there. I will give you that some of that. I will give you some of that. Give him anything, Jeff. No, no I'll, you, give you, you I'll give you a little bit about words. saving somebody's butt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and the other thing, Jeff, where have you been? In your no, hold on a second. Low, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Hold on. Let, on. Me, back, let me go back to this, okay? Who was better than Eric Flowers at left tackle? I was waiting Anybody for you to ask that question. Else. They That's a bad huh? answer. That's a terrible else. answer, Charlie. They had guys on the team that were better than right. him. So name the player then. I can't remember who oh, was the backup. Oh, who was the backup. How was convenient. So you make the bold statement and you don't back it up. Stunning development here on Big no, Blue Kickoff Live. Lance, we haven't heard I this before. It up for yeah. three years, Lance. I was totally right on this guy. He was a bust. And you all know it. And you can't say we're going to put the best player in. No, that's not going to happen. He was you know, the... Jones might not be the best quarterback, but they'll put him in anyway because they want to see what he can do because mm -hmm. he was a first-round pick, number six. It's got nothing to do with the best player you all the time. You are so Maybe wrong. 90% of the time, but <laughs> not all the time. Okay. All right. Okay? Yep. And, and, and I just want to say something on Jeff's behalf. On Jeff's behalf. Jeff is so he better, fought you first, and now he wants to say something on your behalf. This phone call is Jeff fascinating is a to me. Better punter than Ray Guy because of where Jeff punted and where Ray Guy punted. That's right. Ray Guy punted in Oakland, LA. Warm. He played the Chargers. I mean, San Diego. He played He's Denver. Buttering where you he up now. Kicked the ball a million miles, and Jeff played in. In New England, he played the Giants. He played in Philly. Yep. He played in Seattle, which was not a great place. Yeah, nope. The only place you played that was Arizona. Was Arizona. That's right. Yeah. So Beautiful there. The sacrifices that Jeff had to make, just like listening to the remainder of this phone call. It's amazing what this man <laughs> has been through during his career. Charlie, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, Charlie, okay, thank yeah. you for uh, adding tremendous insight welcome, to the program, as always. Hey, let me just say this. Oh, oh, sure. oh. Manning Nicole, you got to hang up on this guy gonna, quick enough. We're going to start off. 6-0, and all this chatter is going to be over. Okay, I'm in okay. for that. I'll sign up for that. A anything that prevents us from having to listen to him tell us who the best player on the roster is at any position, I'm all for. So, uh, it is what it is. I, I just, I still can't get over the fact he tries to beat you down over the comment about best player. Then he tries to circle around that by campaigning you for the Hall of Fame yeah. and telling you all of the circumstances you played through. I'm glad you had confidence in me to come back and ask oh, the question man, of who was, was better than Eric Flowers at left tackle. If that is not a backpedaling motion on the part of Charlie in Portland, Maine. I don't know what is. That's what Ooh, they do. Boy, there. that was a lot of backpedaling. Yeah, he'll continue to call the program. Though. Oh, will yeah. he ever? Yes. And we asked him who was better on the roster, but he uh, came through empty-handed. <laughs> he did. Oh, I forget. I forgot. I forgot. Yes. We'll, we'll let him call back tomorrow because we know he's going to call back anyway. Of course he will. I mean, you know, Charlie and Big Blue Kickoff Live is synonymous. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. You yes, we will be back. So that gives you preparation time, Charlie. I don't even know if that's a good oh, thing. Oh, thanks, yeah. thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You back. just told him. Well, to prepare, to prepare. Well, we're telling you to we prepare. We don't have to answer his call tomorrow. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, There's no guarantee we're okay. taking his All phone right, call. That's good. Okay.
we may actually run out of time tomorrow. Which well, I we will take for. other phone calls. We will. Me. We will absolutely. We actually commend people who are not named Charlie in Portland, Maine from calling into the program. With that being said, that is going to wrap up today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We couldn't have asked for a better way to finish off the program, but thank you all for hanging with us and making the ultimate sacrifice. It is presented, as always, by Coors Light. Jeff and I will be back up and running tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.